0: Well, our sermon text for today is 1 Samuel chapter 8, a bit of a longer passage, and so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8. Hear God's word from 1 Samuel chapter 8. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them, according to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run, and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and some to plow his ground, and to reap his harvest, and to make his implements of war, and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, and cooks, and bakers. He will take the best of your fields, and vineyards, and olive orchards, and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain, and of your vineyards, and give it to his officers, and to his servants." He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, no, But there shall be a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, Go, every man, to his city. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we ask this morning that you would teach us, uh, by your Holy Spirit, teach us uh, the word that you have for us from 1 Samuel chapter 8. pray that you would give us the eyes to see your Son and to change us by him. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Well, today's text, we actually begin about eight chapters in the book of 1 Samuel. Samuel, and so I want to give you a very uh, brief amount of context for where we're at in this book. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, Samuel has just uh, had this mar- remarkable one-sided battle. Israel has had this one remarkable one-sided battle. The, Ill- the Israelites were being approached by the Philistines, and they were afraid. They were afraid. And so they spoke to Samuel, and they said this. They said, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel did what the people requested. And then out of nowhere, the Lord sends this thundering sound and he throws the Philistines into a confusion. And then they're struck down by Israel. Right in 1 Samuel chapter 7, the people sought help from the Lord and the Lord helped them. But that was a more, more of a middle-aged Samuel. Now in chapter 8, uh, we arrive at some words that, I, you know, I work in youth ministry at Christ Church, and I hear these words a lot. Behold, you are old. <laughs> Samuel is now old. And so here's what I think today's text is teaching us. Here it is. Trusting a king other than Yahweh leaves us enslaved to that king. And so trust Yahweh. Trusting in a king other than Yahweh leaves us enslaved to that king. And so trust him. And I have four points from today's text, which I'll walk us through as we go through the text. My first point is how not to handle discontentment. How not to handle discontentment. Right? Today's text begins with an old Samuel, and if you look down at verses 1 through 3, it says this, Samuel made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba, yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. So already we're seeing that Samuel's method for appointing judges is not so wise i want you to imagine uh, if a judge in your city uh, appointed the judge that would follow after him or her and the judge was their child the judge was their child how do you think the people would respond they would scream that's not just that's not right right and this is the instinctive response we have When someone with political or judicial power appoints someone who is their child, right, uses their power to put a child into power. Now, in the case of the judges, it was not out of the question for a judge to appoint their child, but when God laid down rules for who would be judges over Israel, he said that they need to be wise and they need to be just, and Samuel's sons were neither of those things. But Samuel, Samuel was a just judge, right? He served the Lord faithfully for years and years. How could he make this kind of mistake? And it is true, Samuel was a just judge. But then he got old and he got worried, right? Because the people of Israel were not serving the Lord. And he took matters into his own hands by appointing two unjust judges. And the story goes on. Look down at verses 4 and 5. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. You see that the elders of Israel saw what Samuel saw, right? They knew that they were not being governed by just judges, and they were discontent with their leadership, and so they proposed a solution they said appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations and i'll i'll i won't go to deuteronomy 17 but in god's law kings were an accommodation kings were an accommodation and the elders were correct samuel's sons were not walking in his ways their analysis was correct they were discontent with the way things were and rightfully so Right, unjust judges were not meant to be governing the land. The problem was their solution and their motivation, right? Instead of proclaiming Yahweh as their true king, they wanted a king like the other nations. And this uh, really leads into my first takeaway from today's text, and that's that you can be discontent with the right things in the wrong ways. Right, You can be discontent with the right things in the wrong ways. Maybe uh, just by way of example, maybe you have a child who is wandering from their faith. Right, I don't have children, but I have two sisters who are wandering now, and I think that there were uh, good ways and bad ways uh, to respond to that reality, right? Doing things like using manipulative language to convince my sisters to come to church. Right? Words like that, instead of bringing them closer, could push them further away. And I think we see a similar problem in today's text. Right? The elders have demanded a king because of unjust judges. But their trust in this king is going to lead them to having a king who is not just not wise, but also who enslaves them. And so how do we not handle discontentment? By seeking solutions to problems that don't come from trust in the ways of our King Jesus. And this leads to my second point. How to handle discontentment. How to handle discontentment. So if you would, please look at verse 6 with me. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord samuel was displeased samuel was displeased and i have to ask what do we do when we are displeased with our current circumstances right do we move inwards do we get bitter or do we bring it be- before the lord i mean the contrast is striking from first samuel chapter 7 the people have cried out to the lord for help and now they're demanding a new king and how quick are we to forget the mercy of god how quick are we to forget the mercy of god how often do we trade his mercy in order to run after other kings right and sometimes the lord allows trials and discontentment in our lives because he wants us to come to him in prayer and so how do we respond to discontentment we pray Right? And, of course, the Lord's response is a little surprising. Right, Instead of saying, no, I will not give you a king. I am your king. The Lord instead, instead says to Samuel, he says, obey the voice of the people. Do as they ask. Give them a king. Right? But that decision does not come without the Lord first warning them. He says this, essentially, fine. You've been disobedient since you left Egypt, verse 8. And so I will give you what you ask for. And this leads into my third point. My third point, and that's that counterfeit kings enslave us. Counterfeit kings enslave us. Right? Verses 10 through 18, I think, demonstrate the awfulness of serving a king other than Yahweh. It's not just that the king would impose taxes upon the people of Israel. Right? A just ruler has a right to impose just taxes. But look at verse 11. It says, He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots. Verse 13, He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. Verse 16, He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. Right? These are the works of a conqueror and a plunderer. And dear brothers and sisters, When we serve kings other than the Lord Jesus, they plunder our souls and they make us slaves. Right, the most clear example I can think of this is if you ever have known someone or yourself have struggled with some form of substance abuse, right? Alcohol abuse, for example, something you go to for comfort actually becomes the thing that keeps you in slavery to it. But often the Lord sees what we don't. He sees that we demand to serve a king other than him. We we are enslaving ourselves. And this is what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to trust him. Look down at verse 18. And in that day you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. And some of you may be thinking, How does verse 18 teach us that the Lord wants us to trust him? I mean, really, how can you take that from verse 18? And I'll just illustrate this with a point from my own life. When I was about 19, over 10 years ago, I had graduated from college at about 17, and some friends would invite me to go drinking with them, and I, long story short, ended up having a two-year bout of misery and depression. And I remember crying out to God in that season, and in the moment, I didn't, he didn't seem to respond, right? He didn't seem to respond. And it wasn't until a while later that the Lord did, in fact, save me. He saved me. And this is what's going to happen in Israel's own history as well. The Lord is going to use their stubborn demands for a king in order to place his own king on the throne. And so before I move to my first point as I was meditating on this passage, for you guys, I was thinking about your search for a pastor. And this is just, this is an encouragement, actually. About a year ago, I was a reference for a candidate at this church. And so I went through the whole process, spoke to uh, two guys from the search committee. And I remember leaving that meeting thinking, wow, they really do value the character of the man who will pastor them. And so my encouragement to you is to keep character a priority. Keep character a priority in who you will call to shepherd this church. And this leads into my final point. My final point is that counterfeit kings cannot frustrate God's plans. Counterfeit kings cannot frustrate God's plans. And if you would, look down at verse 19. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but there shall be a king over us. Verse 20, that we also may be like the all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us in, and fight our battles. Friends, one chapter ago, the Lord has just gone before the people of Israel, and he has fought their battle. And now they want to serve another king. And yet God's plans are not interrupted by our disobedience. Look down at verses 21 and 22. And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, Go, every man, to his city. I mean, can you imagine what Samuel must have been thinking about the Lord's response, right? Why are you letting them do this? Don't you love them? Why are you letting them serve a counterfeit king? But friends, the cliche is true. The Lord's ways are not our ways, right? The people's irresponsible and sinful request ultimately would lead them to having a king who would redeem them from slavery and bondage to sin. And I wanna read you something about the ways of that king, from Colossians chapter 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together." Doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. False kings enslave us. The true king, Jesus, sets us free from our slavery, from our bondage to sin. Right? Israel's idolatry would ultimately enslave them, and our idolatry enslaves us. All of us are tempted every day to regularly put our faith in things other than Jesus. But the ways of the king that is in heaven are such that he saves us and redeems us from that slavery. And so that's uh, what I think Colossians 1 is teaching us, right? The, way, the ways of our king Jesus is that he frees us from the slavery which the counterfeit kings place us in. And so if you are trusting in things other than Jesus today, I invite you to once again, or for the first time, to trust in him. Trust the Lord Jesus. He is enthroned on high. He is ruling over all things, and he is doing it for our good. And he loves his people, and he loves you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for not leaving us without your word. You've given us your word to instruct us, not just in how to live, but also in how to trust in you. And we know that the only king who is truly worth serving is your son, and so we ask that he would be with us uh, this week. By your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen.